Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. We have lots of friends. You might be here and you're a worshiper of God. You come to church your whole life. If you came from the South, you've been like First Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, your whole life, member of a church, whatever. You worship God, but you never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you're not going to heaven. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, no, that's why Jesus came. No man can approach the Father. There's no name under heaven by where a man can be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ. In our town, it's filled with people that are sitting in churches this morning. They're worshiping God. But they have a clue about Jesus. It seems harsh to say that someone who faithfully attends church is there every time the door is open. Well, they might not actually know Jesus. The difficulty with this view is that Jesus himself spoke most harshly about those who attended synagogue the most. He criticized them because they were all about the outward appearance while not having an actual relationship with God. Pastor Mark is warning us against slipping into the same mindset. We need to remember that we go to church to deepen our existing relationship with God and with like-minded people, not to impress folks by our false piety. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 2 of his message, Thanks for the Memories. Paul knew that God was the one that as he was on this second missionary journey, Paul wanted to go this way. God closed the door. Paul wanted to go this way. God closed the door. And God says, no, you're going to Europe. So God says, no, no, yes. Paul gave thanks. Because when he went to Europe, you'll see today, first convert in all of Europe. The first church in all of Europe, because God orchestrated a person who had been seeking to find out who God was. That's the way God works. So without God's leading, he would have never gone to Europe and then wouldn't have had any of the memories we're talking about here. So the next thing you want to write is this, joy, memories, and thankfulness to God, they go together. You see, our memories especially when you've now become a Christ follower, have to do with what God's doing in and through your life. Now, what memories flooded Paul's mind? What was he thinking about? Well, I already told you, our memories should really be about God and people. So let's turn to Acts chapter 16, and let's get down to verse 13. And we're going to take a little trip down memory lane, 11 years in the past. Remember, Paul's in jail, chained to Roman guards, and he has these great memories. Verse 13 says, 
On the Sabbath, we, remember it's Paul and Timothy and Silas and Luke that are together. He says, on the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river and we expected to find a place of prayer. And we sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. Now we learned because you have to have 10 Jewish men in a city to form a synagogue. Well, there weren't 10 Jewish men. There's basically all pagans in Europe. And so Paul discovered some women who had been praying and they were down by the river. God led Paul to people who were searching for God. And he had amazing memories how God directed him to the right place where here there were people seeking. Understand God's heart is for lost people. And he knows how to direct us. Paul didn't go there. He didn't go to Philippi to take a greyhound tour of Philippi. He went there to meet people. But he doesn't know a soul in that town. How will he find out? God directed him to the river. And you're going to see he meets a lady. Look at verse 14. Now one of those women listening was named Lydia. A dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira up in Asia, the old Turkey area. Notice these words. Who was a worshiper of God. Lydia was a, a well-to-do merchant. She sold fabric, dyed in this purple kind of royalty. And she was very, very wealthy. And she evidently up there in Turkey had turned from pagan idolatry to the worship of the God of Israel, the one true God. But that's it. She didn't know anymore. She was a worshiper of God. But she didn't know anything about Jesus. Now we know the scripture says that unless we have a relationship with Jesus, we can't get to God into heaven. And so she's worshiping God, but she doesn't have the story. Jesus said in John 14, I'm the way, I'm the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father, no one comes to God except through me. So here's Paul, and he begins talking to her, and he realizes right away something very familiar to Paul. She's a worshiper of God, but she's lost. I want you to understand this this morning. Many people worship God, but they're lost. Because they do not know the connection between Jesus and God. You see, you and I cannot approach God without a relationship with Jesus. It's impossible. And so, Paul, does Paul have any idea what it's like to worship God, the one true God, but not believe in Jesus. Does, does Paul have any idea what that's like? Hello? Yeah, why? Because on the road to Damascus, Paul was exactly that. He was very religious. We have lots of friends. You might be here and you're a worshiper of God. You come to church your whole life. If you came from the South, you've been like First Baptist, Methodist, Presbyterian, your whole life, member of a church, whatever. You worship God, but you never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, you're not going to heaven. You say, well, that's impossible. Well, no, that's why Jesus came. No man can approach the Father. There's no name under heaven by where a man can be saved, but the name of Jesus Christ in our town. It's filled with people that are sitting in churches this morning. 
They're worshiping God, but they have a clue about Jesus. It's not personal. So Paul, on that day that he was taken captive by God, he was struck off his horse, you remember, and he's down there and he hears a voice from heaven and a light. And the voice goes, why are you persecuting me, Paul? Well, who are you? I'm Jesus, the one you don't believe in. Okay, time for a change. So he knows, isn't it amazing? God brings a woman. Paul knows exactly how she feels. Do you know when you share with people, he'll very often bring you somebody have to have the same experience as you've had. People questioning God. Is there a God? Isn't God? Why do bad things happen to good people? A million questions. God orchestrates all of it. So that's exactly what happens. What do you think Paul began to share with her? Well, obviously he began to share Jesus. How did he do it? Did he do it with kindness and love? Or did he do it like that right to her? Let me share you something. Greg Laurie wrote this in one of his devotionals this week. Greg Laurie is a Calvary Chapel pastor, does great, amazing harvest crusades around the world. He says this. I remember walking down an avenue in Waikiki, Hawaii. And seeing a man holding a big sign with red flames and the words, the wages of sin is death. He was yelling out to the people, God hates you. God is going to judge you. God is going to get you. I watched as people pass by intentionally turning away from him. How many of you go on the other side of the street? I go right on the other side of the street. Finally, Greg says this. I walked up to him and I said, excuse me, I have a question. I just wanted to say that while it is true that the wages of sin is death, as your placard so boldly says, it's also true there's another part of the verse, that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Why don't you put on the other side of your placard, and then you could flip it around periodically, and you can give them the whole message. He said, the man then told me I was going to hell. He was intent on delivering a certain degree of truth, but in a contentious way. Let me ask you a question. Is that the right way to share Jesus Christ? No, that is not the right way to share Jesus Christ. And the minute I read that, here's the verse that flooded my mind. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 4. We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body of the church. Do you actually believe Jesus Christ, when he met the woman at the well, said to her, you're going to hell. You've been married five times, you live with a guy, you're going to hell right now. Not a chance. If that's the way you witness, please, and I mean this very sincerely, don't wear a red bracelet. Don't tell people you come to this church, because that's not the God we serve. You say, well, I'm going to tell them the truth. Well, tell them the whole truth. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Do we talk about hell here? Yes, I'll talk about it this morning. But not without love. Because that is not God. And we drive people away because we don't understand. The gospel comes from a heart of love. We need to learn to speak the truth in love. This young man, lots of zeal but filled with stupidity. And Satan will use that instead of God. Now, how did Paul talk to this Lydia? Well, I believe the same way that Jesus talked to him. It was with love. He had great memories of how God had come to him and lovingly gave him the truth and then gave him hope 
And it chanced to have his life changed. Paul, I'm sure, did the same thing. He explained salvation, forgiveness of sins, repentance, all the things that we need to do so she could connect Jesus, who she knew nothing about, to God. And then she became a follower of Christ. That's the way it works. Now, after Paul did what he did, notice the rest of verse 14. This is very important. Look what it says. Then the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. Notice after Paul shares, God does his thing. God opened her heart. God opened her spiritual eyes to the truth. We are called to share the good news. To be honest, the rest is up to God. You can't open a person's eyes. I can't open a person's heart. I'm teaching today. You're listening. I'm doing what God's called me to do. But only God can say to you, as he's doing to some of you right now, whoa, he's speaking right to me. Well, that's true in a way, but really who's speaking to you is God. You see, sometimes we forget because we have people come forward, as we'll do in all of our services today, to accept Christ at the end and do all those kind of things. We love that. We forget this, that conversion is a supernatural work of God. It's not something you do. Well, I'm going to become a member today. No, no. It's a supernatural work of God. He changes you from the inside out instantaneously. I don't understand how that works. I just know it works. And it's something that only God can do. And by the way, you can't come to God when you want. The Bible says you must be drawn by the Spirit of God. And that's also why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear him speaking to you, don't you dare harden your heart. You come today. Well, she did this. So I want you to write that. This kind of summarizes where we all are. Because we're all saints. We're all servants. We're all witnesses. Here's what we do. We speak. We share. We touch people. Lots of ways. Help them do all kinds of things. We have a whole group of people in Haiti right now. They're coming back tomorrow. They've been over there ministering. The Hope video will have some things for you about that. We speak. We share. We touch people. But God changes them. We don't change people. God does it from the inside out. It's a supernatural work of God. Remember, don't ever be ashamed of the gospel. Paul wrote in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then the Gentiles. Well, we see it that Paul's speaking had great influence because look at verse 15. When she and the members of her household were baptized. So there were other ladies, we don't know if these are relatives or friends, or maybe servants from Lydia's house. But they hear the message. They believe as well. And the next thing they do is they get water baptized. Now, how would they know to do this? Paul taught them. They wouldn't know to get baptized. Watch, this is how it works. Watch, very simple this morning. Unbeliever. First step, accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Repent, believe. Okay, now I'm a believer. What's the next thing I need to do? Be water baptized commandment from Jesus. You've already been saved. Water baptism doesn't save you. You've already been saved. It's an outward sign of something that's already happened inside. So, save, unbeliever, save, ask Jesus Christ, comes live in your heart. Next thing is water baptism. The next thing is discipleship, where you become like Christ. Your whole, that process takes forever. 
It never ends. I'm in that process right now. I, I've been saved 61 years. I'm in that process right now. Still working on it. Some of you have been saved six months. Today will be your birthday. You'll get saved today. That process will be over. Well, let me ask you. Been water baptized? You see, if you're saved and you've never been water baptized, you're disobeying God. Now, it's not your salvation, but you're disobeying. Why would you do that? All of these people publicly in town, no other believers, unashamedly get water baptized. So I want to challenge you today. It's a commandment of the Lord. He says, go into all the world, teach the gospel, teach them everything I said, and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we'll have a baptism in June. You need to be water baptized. Well, Pastor Mark, I was, well, two years old when I was baptized. Nice. Doesn't work. Because you weren't what? You weren't born again. You, weren't, you didn't accept Christ at two. Not a chance. You didn't understand it. So you have to be saved. So as an adult or whenever, five, six, seven, eight, nine, when you ever accept the Lord, get water baptized. So a little challenge to you today. Take that second step. They did this. Now, let's take a little stop down memory lane. In a moment, I want you to shout out the year that you became a believer. So put your memory hat on for a moment. I want you to shout out on the count of three. One, two, three. Does God understand any of that? Sure he does. But it doesn't matter about God. Do you remember now? Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the forgiveness? Do you remember that you couldn't believe it was too good to be true? Do you remember your marriage that was restored? The relationship that was fixed? How many remember the day you were water baptized? And where it was? Wow! And the joy that happened. And, and when you went under, that elder that kept you under and under because he knew you really needed it. <laughs> That's Gordon. He, he's the guy that does it right over here. He does. Don't get Gordon when he baptized. Don't get Gordon when he baptized. Now look at what happens in verse 15. She invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded. Uh, she's a sales lady, baby. She persuaded the Apostle Paul. Now, as Paul is thinking about this, number one, we know Lydia is rich. When he walked into that town of Philippi, he doesn't know anybody. He doesn't know where he's going to stay. And now, in a few moments, you'll discover that Lydia's home becomes their home, but it also becomes the church. The early church. There was their building. They didn't have a building like this. There was no buildings like this. And so it becomes a church. So I can see Paul in the prison cell thinking, wow. And he got his iPhone out and he said, Timothy, look, look at the picture of this five-star home where God took us. It was an amazing play. It wasn't the Motel 6. It was a five-star home. And he thought, how good God is. The other day I was thinking, we had a guest here last week for the men's conference. And I took him and showed him a couple of the campuses. And he says, did you build this or was this here when you became the pastor? I said, no, what was here were cows. <laughs> Anybody remember those days? Just a bunch of cows here on Platt's land. And I remember so many times God saying, that's the piece of property. But the owner kept saying, no, 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 hit. <laughs> you know what happened? God finally convinced him. I didn't. God did. Because this is where God wanted us. And I had the privilege 
on his deathbed to lead him to Jesus Christ. See, now understand something. It really wasn't about the land. It really wasn't about the land. It was getting him to heaven. Memories. Paul had great memories. Well, there's more memories coming. Look at verse 16. As they're hanging in the town for a while. Once we were going to this place of prayer. And we were met by a slave girl. Who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners. By fortune telling. We see the priority of prayer. In the old days, some of you will remember this. The younger folks and new Christians. You, you won't, it doesn't make any sense to you. They would challenge us in church. Are you prayed up? Which simply meant, before you go out every morning, have you asked God to fill you with the Spirit? Are you ready? Because there's spiritual warfare everywhere. Now, when God invaded this little town of Philippi, Satan was mad. Paul was prayed up. You're going to see it. He knew there was spiritual warfare. And so as he heads out, he runs into this girl, a servant of Satan, slave to the owners, And a slave to Satan. Let me just say this kindly to you today. The Bible tells us in John chapter 8. Until you become a Christian. You are a slave to sin. And Satan. Now the world definitely doesn't understand that. They think they're ruling their own life. No, no, no. You're a slave. To your sin. And to Satan. So as time goes on. Paul begins listening and. Note, notice, notice what she says. She's bringing a lot of money to her owners. Notice what happens in verse 17. The girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, what's up with that? This is the demon speaking through here. The message is true, absolutely true, but the messenger isn't related to the message. So eventually that's going to cause confusion. You see, Satan's a great deceiver. These were Greek people who believed in many gods. Paul's talking about the one true God. And so these people are going, okay, I can have my fortune told and I can serve this God that Paul's talking about, this Jesus. Kind of just fits together. Well, no, it doesn't fit together. By the way, that still happens today. Understand that Satan's a great deceiver. There's many cults in our world that confuse people who don't know the Bible. Let me give you an example of two. They're wonderful people. They're lost. In our nation specifically, and of course, they're all over the world. Jehovah Witnesses and Mormons. You will see Mormons, and they visit our services from time to time, whatever. They're here just to try to get you, and we protect you from them. But they're here because they will say this to you. Well, we believe in the same Jesus you believe in. We worship the same God you worship. That's 100% false. They're many times confused themselves. Do you know that they believe God was created and he married somebody and had Jesus? I mean, foolishness. But they will say their Bible is the same as ours until they put the Book of Mormon in front of it. So understand, what you see here has been happening since day one. Satan's a great deceiver. You have to go to the truth, and this is the truth. We don't have another book. This is it. This is the truth. In today's teaching, Pastor Mark reminded us that simply going to church or doing churchy things isn't enough to get us into heaven. We must have a saving relationship with Jesus. 
We were also told that this is the only way to receive the joy that the Bible speaks of. Happiness is not enough to get us through the difficult times of our lives. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude the teaching, Thanks for the Memories. We'll learn more how joy, memories, and thankfulness to God go together. We will hear about memories the Apostle Paul had and how his recollection of them strengthened his resolve to keep following Christ despite the physical difficulties he experienced. Well, we've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious, Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.